1: Dental.com.
0: This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. Powered by Together Credit Union, empowering you to achieve your financial goals. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, and Jamie Rivers. And last week, uh, Jamie Rivers. He slept well, was in a really great spot, and then today he's just coming into the studio, with all that energy, but he's
2: being a jerk.
1: Wow, so back to Jamie then. Yeah, Good, back to okay. Jamie. <laughs> I think I'm always
2: a jerk. Yes. I mean equally each time. Just because. sometimes I'm not as energetic about it. Yeah, he's not wavering. He's not wavering. No. Just
1: sometimes more energy than others. Yeah. How you so. guys
2: doing on a Thursday? You all right? Yeah. I'm feeling pretty good, man blues game day I'm excited. I know that uh, things didn't go the way we planned in game one against the Avalanche, but I'm
1: very optimistic that things will be different this time yeah I'm glad you say that because my first question for you after you know uh seeing the overtime loss was and this is great to ask a former player this because fans are the ones that think about this. is the overtime loss in Colorado worse for the blues than if it was just a regular two to one regulation loss because now they're all excited and the fans are coming back even more excited. Yeah, I don't know. I always preferred to lose
2: a close game than to get the wheels beat off of me. I felt like, at least in this one here, look, the Blues, it's no, no secret. Their second period and their overtime were not good. They were outshot like 32-8 to eight in those two periods. Uh, but the first period and the third period were fine. So when I look at it, I go, okay, in a regular season, you'd have been like, "Ooh, we salvaged a point in this right. game. Now, you don't get a point in overtime, I get it, and you don't get anything for that matter, but at least psychologically, I feel like we weren't nearly as good as we needed to be, and we still got it to overtime. Now, mind you, Jordan Binnington was basically out of this world good, Mm -hmm. but I'm anticipating that he can be maybe not as spectacular, let's not rely upon that, but I'm anticipating that he can at least bring his A game again, and if we, the players, bring our A game, then we have we have a legitimate chance of evening up this series. You know there would be there would have been
0: other years in the past where I definitely would have been in freakout mode after game number one. But like I feel like this team and this coaching staff is really good at adjusting, yeah. at making changes, and recognizing what they need to do to play better. So like I have full freaking confidence that those guys know that Tuesday night wasn't near good enough and tonight's gonna have to be a lot better I just trust the leadership and the coaches of this team a lot
1: and I think for one of the reasons is they just seem so steady the coaches that is yeah like I can tell and correct me if I'm wrong Jamie and I know you will uh, but if Barube, he sends a message to the players a little bit in his press conferences am I wrong or am I right no he definitely utilizes
2: them to convey certain messages and I think that He's pretty loud and clear sometimes, even though it's simple and it seems somewhat cryptic at times. The players know what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. And so here, I want to take you guys back a little bit. Time warp here. Hot tub, time machine. Okay. okay. All right. We're going to go back. The year is 2019. Oh, it's a good year. Yeah. It's a good year. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But game one against the San Jose Sharks in San Jose, the Blues got worked six to three, and they looked like they didn't belong in the series. They had Thornton, they had Marlowe, they had Burns, they had Carlson, they had uh, you name it. They had Evander Kane. I mean, it was like, oh, my God. Well, it was a good run type thing. Fast forward now, hot tub time machine back to 2022. The Blues just got worked by the Avalanche in game one. I'm expecting adjustments from Craig Berube. Uh, Following that game in San Jose in 2019, he called out Vladimir Tarasenko. Not in a bad way. Just said, hey, we need more from Vladdy. He's got to give us more. Fast forward again to yesterday on the fast lane when we talked to Craig Berube. He basically said he's splitting up the Thomas line because they're not getting the production that they need out of him. And that he's moving Braden Shan back to center because he's not happy with Ivan Barbashev. He didn't say that. He said, I'm not happy with what we've got going on there right now. Right. <laughs> so the similarities for me are, are there. And Craig Berube made adjustments in 2019 to counter a Sharks team that I would argue, man for man, was probably pretty close to the avalanche that we're looking at this year. Now, Martin Jones was not as good in goal as Darcy Kemper, but I do feel like Darcy Kemper is a very beatable goaltender. So, I feel a level of comfort knowing that Chief yesterday had a plan. He's got a plan. And him and the coaching staff are going to change things up. They're going to make some adjustments. Jeff, to your point, uh, how many Stanley Cup rings do the Avalanche coaching staff have? Zero. Zero. The Blues have five. Five out of six coaches. That's including video coach Sean Farrell because I I never leave that guy out. He 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 puts in more hours than anybody, and he does skill work with the guys on the ice. He's a huge part of that team. But you've got every guy except for Jim Montgomery who has a Stanley Cup ring. And Jim Montgomery, as we know, may have been our toughest adversary, apart from the Bruins. That Stanley Cup year when he had Dallas brought us to double overtime. The big rig, the hometown hero, baby. So a good coach, nonetheless. So, yeah, I feel pretty good about today.
0: All right, I want to specifically talk about 91. Um, Obviously, man, he has been... It was a good year. It was a good year. Uh I was playing
2: in Sudbury at the time. (laughs) Um, It was
0: cold...
1: I remember he means jersey number nine.
2: I was a freshman at Hazewood
0: Central High School. How about yeah. that? Ears huge.
2: <laughs> it uh, snowed in October. <laughs> in Sudbury, <laughs> and uh, I thought I was playing on the moon because the trees die quickly there.
0: All right, Captain Funny Pants. Uh, I specifically Captain, want to ask about Captain, Vladimir like Tarasenko. We have obviously been heaping, heaping, heaping praise on him all throughout the season because he's deserved it. Man, he's worked his ass off and had a great year. And that game one, man, he seemed very um it, he wasn't a factor you know how what's what's fair to 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 bust on a guy like that because you need him to be one of your best guys but also I know they're going to play him tough and that sort of thing so can you maybe talk about vladimir teresenko and and and
2: game number 1 yeah if you look at the first series against the wild vladimir teresenko really hadn't done anything until he had the hat trick game now when i say hadn't done anything that was offensively. Mm-hmm. He was on the forecheck, he back-checked, he was involved. You noticed him out there, he was very much a part of things. The game one in Colorado, he wasn't a part of anything. I, I don't know if it was the fact that Colorado played them harder, um, or if the team wasn't playing as good. Uh, the Blues that, I mean, or maybe it's just time for that line to be broken up, because you look at Buchnevich and Thomas in game one, they weren't very good either. Yeah. So if you have two line mates that... Not for lack of better words, aren't any help to you. It's pretty tough as Vladimir Tarasenko to play the Stanley Cup favorite, Colorado Avalanche, and one guy make a difference. So I think he'll get a better version of Vladdy. I'm not sitting here. I'm not ready to kick him right in the nether regions right. and say, you know, you're you're not playing good enough. I do think that it is time to switch things up. I think Craig Berube has a good feel for it and put Vladdy. I think you get him back with Braden Chen. Um, you know, and, and it's a couple of straight line players go in, get pucks, and, and he can kind of go back to that style, and when the puck hits the stick, he's got to shoot it. I feel like the Thomas line, all the success they had, it's kind of like they think they're the globetrotters at times, mm-hmm. where it's got to be fancier, bigger, better, flashier than the time before, and that's that's human nature, right? You, you start to succeed at something, and all of a sudden you want to make it prettier all the time. Yeah, And so I think that Maybe dialing it back with the pretty stuff and going back to straight line north-south hockey for Vladimir Terosenko could help the individual and the team.
1: The, the dude's still hitting everything that moves, but where are we on the health of Braden Chen?
2: I don't know. Um, I, I feel, I don't know this, obviously, nobody's privy to the information. And even if I was, I wouldn't throw it out there just because I respect the players so much. Sure. But I feel like he's he's got something. Yeah. You know, he had the five broken ribs earlier in the season. And being someone who's broke his ribs a couple of times, the healing process is difficult. And the scar tissue that builds up, and sometimes the bone doesn't heal right. Still, to this day, I have one that's crooked because it healed wrong when it fused together. And you'd have to break it again to place it properly. But every time I sleep on my side, if I sleep too long, I wake up in pain because the rib is in the wrong place. Imagine Braden Shen going out there and hitting everything that moves with maybe, 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 Big, maybe having a problem with his ribs still, or something that isn't healed properly, so hats off to the guy for running around like a scud missile yeah. out there because it ain't fun it ain't pretty, um but I still think he can be effective, even though he's not putting goals in the net. I think he's a guy that you notice either way
1: i uh want you to I would like you to reiterate something I heard you say on the fast lane the other day when the blues have gone to that combo of eleven seven uh-huh. that sort of thing. And somebody mentioned how uh, Perunovic is such a good skater. He's got the hips. He's got the hands. He's got all this other stuff. Heck, why not just push him up at forward? Wouldn't that make sense?
2: Yeah, so here's where I go with that. Um, if this was January and we were playing the Arizona Coyotes or something like that, eh, why not? Why not? Let him eat up some minutes up front. Big deal. Maybe he gets a shot on that. Whatever. You're playing the Colorado Avalanche. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're arguably... The best team left in the Stanley Cup playoffs, at least on paper, you're really going to take a guy who's never played wing in the NHL, let alone the NHL playoffs and put him up front against a team that's going to be checking big time. He's never received a pass along the wall as a winger, he's never played defensively as a winger, he's never been in a position to i don't know, do a transition or a regroup as a winger. he's never played defense in the defensive zone as a winger where he's got to watch a guy like oh, I don't know maybe Cale McCarr. Who's sneaking in all over the place, and Perunovic has to try and track that and figure it out. It's too much.
1: I like. I like your your response. Also, was something to the effect of these the, the guys who play forward, if they're not handling the job, yeah. why would you throw this kid in?
2: Well, you you know you're you're got guys who've played forward their whole lives and played a lot of games in the NHL, and they're not having success right now. What makes you think Scott Perunovic could have success? Yeah, and it's nothing against the player. I, I'm a guy that played defense, and they force fed me up front to play forward. And I remember playing, I was in Boston, and I remember playing against the Montreal Canadiens in the first round of the playoffs. And I had played center for about 35 games. And that's hilarious. Jeez. It's a long story. We'll get into it one day. But center was an okay position because you play down low in the defensive zone. Like there were a lot of things that were very similar. Uh, well, Robbie Fatoric put me on right wing in the very first game, or first game in Montreal. Well, I'm on my offside. I'd never really played right wing. We're in the Stanley Cup playoffs. We're playing against the Montreal Canadiens. It's the Boston Bruins. It wasn't a great game. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Yeah. It was, the <laughs> hardest part was trying to get out of my own end because you're kind of, you're, you, this is your blind spot. Like You're not open up to the ice because I'm on my backhand, and so the defense just kept pinching, and you're trying to get it out, and then the puck stays in, and you get stressed, and you're trying to run around. I couldn't imagine playing against a team like the Avalanche for a team that had, you know, Stanley Cup aspirations, like the Blues think, not think, they are a contender. It just, I don't think, I don't see that being um, a good decision at this point. Yeah. So
0: Jordan Bennington obviously has been incredible for the last, you know, week or so um, and kind of, uh, I think, changed the story of his 2020, 2021 season. Jamie, I think it's going to be really fascinating in the off season. What happens with the Blues goaltending? Because don't we have to assume at this point that we're not going to be able to afford a Huso-Bennington 1-2 combo? But it seems as though the Blues have a decent amount of depth in the system to maybe have somebody to back up Bennington. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, first of all, I want to address a tweet that Jeremy Rutherford had the other day, which I thought was just hilarious. He uh, following the Blues game, he tweeted out, he goes, uh, St. Louis Blues fans right now... Thank God we got that guy for five more years. <laughs> like, Very nice job, JR. Right? Yeah. A couple of weeks ago or two months ago, they were like, "We ha- what? Right, You're telling me we have to years, have this get guy? Rid for- of so It's funny to see how quickly things can change. Um, but the Blues do have good depth and goal. You now, Charlie Lindgren, I don't remember his contract status, but I imagine if they said, hey, look, we're really going to give you a shot at being the backup goalie with our NHL team, I think they could retain him. Joel Hofer, who is exciting enough, he scored a goal in the Calder Cup playoffs. Uh, He's a very highly touted prospect as well. Um, They've got uh, Colt. I was Ellis, I think, is Colton Colton Ellis, the goaltender. He's a, you know, he's a guy too that's working his way up. He's an excellent goaltender. I think the Blues will take a stab at trying to keep Ville Huso. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to come down to what teams overpay for Ville Huso, and somebody will. I think. I think the day. The days of Husso being a St. Louis Blues goalie are probably over following this season, and it's just because he had such a good run this year. And somebody, the goaltending position is so tough, somebody's going to overpay. Look at how many teams need a goalie out there. And also, too, doesn't that play into like the way that the
0: system now is kind of a 1A, 1B system? So yeah. like most teams don't have
2: that clear-cut number 1 anymore. No, they don't, which is why I, I, I say that Doug Armstrong will probably take a shot at re-signing right. Huso. You know what do you make this year seven fifty I think of league minimum on a one way deal he's gonna look for two and a half to three million and maybe Doug Armstrong can tempt his tummy with uh, the Jordan Bennington bridge deal that binner got after the twenty nineteen Stanley Cup run it was like two point four as a cap hit for two years I think it was like two point one one year and two point six the other year I don't know somewhere in that maybe that's something that will happen um but you know, if I'm Huso and I've got somebody out there offering me a two- or three-year deal at $3 million plus, and you're going to be probably the clear-cut number one, probably pretty tough to turn go. that down. Like, yeah, think yeah. about this. Jordan Bennington's success right now is fantastic. We love it. We're like, man, are we solid in net. Huso loves it because he's part of the team, but his agent is like, this is not going to work. Right. Because if yeah. Bennington finishes the season strong like this, he's the clear-cut number one. So, my client, Billy Husso is not the number one, which means he'll get second reps, second goalie reps again. And maybe that's not something he wants. I, I don't know for sure, but that's kind of what I would feel about. You it. know, we've spent the last couple of years in this podcast.
0: We do, we do our share of blues fan wishful thinking. Sure. That, that's one of the fun parts about being a sports fan. I would love for somebody to explain to me how in the world we are going to pry. Matthew Kachuk no. from Calgary, when that dude is incredible. Will you want
2: that guy here? I,
0: the, oh my God. the talk has been, yes. I, <laughs> but, like, but, but the better that he plays, the further that Calgary goes, why in Jesus' name would they not try to figure out a way to have Johnny Hockey and Matthew Kachuk be
2: the guys up there because it's clearly working? They could, but ultimately those guys could decide they don't want to be a part of that. I don't know. Johnny Hockey is an unrestricted free agent. Mm-hmm. He just had his, the season of his life. Does he want to stay in Calgary? I don't know. If he leaves, does that have a domino effect where Matthew Kachuk is like, uh, no, I'm not doing a seven or eight year deal here because I see this falling into a rebuild here and I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I got the best years of my career ahead of me. I don't know. All of that will be figured out as they go here. But I wanted to bounce a question off you guys regarding... You oh, never oh, ask hey, those questions on the show Unless he's mad at us. And no, I don't think he's mad at us. No, no I'm not I mad at so all. Yet. I'm a little irritated with what I see on social media, but oh, I'm going to no. bounce it off you guys first. Okay. Um, Brady Kachuk, Matthew Kachuk's brother, Yeah, uh, he's attending all of yes. these games. He's wearing a Flames t-shirt, not necessarily it's his brother's t-shirt called the Friendship Tour Matthew Kachuk and it's like it's a joke. It's a it's like a funny t-shirt cuz nobody likes Matthew Kachuk. And he's with the crowd and he's cheering for the Flames, visibly cheering for the Flames. Do you think people have put this on social media saying, "I wonder what his Ottawa Senators teammates think about him cheering on the Calgary Flames." And then last night a guy put out there it's just it's just weird to see you know Brady another NHL player cheering on a different team. Where do you guys fall with this? Because I know where I fall, and I'm, I'm trust me, don't. I'll come in on the tail end of this. Yeah. Uh, but for you guys, if you're you guys are St. Louis Blues fans, yeah. So let's just pretend that Matthew Kachuk plays here for the Blues, mm-hmm. or let's mm-hmm. no, hang on, let me don't get excited, Jeff. <laughs> By the way, Donnie, get a towel. Um, <laughs> let's pretend. That Brady Kachuk plays for the St. Louis Blues. And he's right now in Calgary cheering on Matthew Kachuk wearing his flames stuff. Do you care?
1: No, no, absolutely 100% not because the guy has got passion and I think that's what this game needs. And I think that it just shows his brotherly love. I think he's cheering for his brother, not necessarily for Calgary. I mean, dad's right there. Like they got I'm sure you guys saw him, whichever one's not playing, I forget which one is which, walking up the steps with a couple of uh, cans of beer in his back pocket, high-fiving people. <laughs> I want that guy on my team. If my team is eliminated and he wants to go cheer on his brother, hell yeah. Yes. Dude, I, I just personality I, guys. A hundred and fifty
0: thousand percent. I yeah. think it's amazing. I think it's amazing to see the Kachuk family there and supporting their son. And dude, if that's your bro, if that's my brother, I'm I'm cheering my ass off yeah. for him and everybody else can suck it. And I think, the, I think the difference here might be because other players with brothers, maybe they keep it a little, maybe they're sitting in a box or something where they're not on TV right. or where they're not being seen. I think the difference is, is that Brady doesn't give a crap. Right. He's like man, that's my bro. Yeah. I'm going to root for him. I'm not in the playoffs anymore. People just
2: want to have something to bitch about, Jamie. Yeah, people want to be miserable. Yeah. I'm convinced of that. because at your brother, man! I'm looking at it going, like, because I have a brother Brother that played hockey, he played for the Tampa Bay Lightning. He was four years older than me. If the situation was that of one of us being in the Stanley Cup playoffs and the other one eliminated, yeah, we'd have our faces painted. Like yeah. honestly, and to watch the Kachuk family. To your point, Donnie, they're not in a box. I'm going to let you guys in on something. They have a little bit of money. Oh, they do. Yeah, if you go look up Dad's career earnings and then add Brady and Matthew and everybody in there, they can afford to get a box if they want. Absolutely, probably three or four for every game if they wanted. Yeah, they don't. They sit in general population with the rest of the jungle up there in Calgary, and it's phenomenal. I love it. I love it so much. I love it so much. Matthew or uh, Brady Kachuk, uh, game seven, he picks up a kid and throws him on his shoulders, and he's jumping up and down like so. I Obviously, I played. If my teammate was Brady Kachuk and he was doing this, I would be text messaging him saying, Hey, where can you find me a hotel? I want to come and watch these games with you. Yeah, yeah it looks <laughs> like, I'm not joking. Yeah. You, you
1: know what? If nothing else, the family looks like a good time.
2: The <laughs> family is an excellent family, for one thing. They are so tightly knit. It's an amazing family. Walt and Chantal have done an incredible job with these kids. Growing up, it's like. It was always yes sir, no sir, yes please, no thank you, thank you for your help. Like anything that you did, and I, I still work with the two boys in the off season doing skill work and stuff. They're so polite, so amazing. Chantelson's, you know, text messages thanking me for working with her boys. They're an incredible family, and I actually am so pumped to watch Brady be so happy for his brother. Yeah. I don't see the problem. People just want to be miserable. I, I'm. I'm convinced of it now. Watching how, and these are people with like blue check marks next to their name that, are, yeah, names, that yeah. are media people. I'm like, are you, are you guys out of your mind? Why wouldn't you embrace this and turn it into a great story? Yeah. It's right there for you.
0: It's it's all positive. Maybe that's maybe Big that's Walt, what it works is.
2: for the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, where
1: oh, is everybody mad at Big Walt? Did Walt, you Walt? notice he had blue on? He had a blue shirt on. I
2: noticed that he didn't throw his hat.
0: I, no. That's what I was just going <laughs> to say. He,
1: well, I think his daughter was trying to get him to throw.
0: Oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah. And he was like, "Uh uh-uh, oh, man."
2: Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so the hat, the mystery hat, is an Obi Clark's hat. Oh, don't forget that. And so yeah. they gave Walt a the hat. They gave the boys hats too. They're awesome, Obi Clark's. The family there. Uh, are are fantastic that own the bar, and obviously we know the popularity of Obi Clark's within the hockey community and yeah. the community in general. Yeah, Big Walt has a white Obi Clark's hat with a <laughs> it's like green OB on it. He he's like I ain't throwing no. it. No,
0: no. Hey man, we're just and I don't mean to go off on a on a weirdo tangent here, but where did the Obi Clark's thing come from? Because as long as I remember being a blues fan and listening to blues games on the radio even when i was a kid ob clark's was a thing like yeah. i remember that's a tradition that's kind of carried on where did that come from was it just because of where it was located on the way for the players when they were coming home
2: or whatever or yeah it originally was just kind of a little hole in the wall the very first ob clark's is not where it's located now and oddly enough, I know you'll find this hard to believe, I lived about 25 houses away from Obi Clark I just
1: surprised you lived it's that far away. Yeah, you're right, Jeff. Yeah. Thank you. I yeah. should have
2: done better. Um, <laughs> but it's always been this, like, I don't know, not cult-like bar, but it's a, it's a dive bar. I shouldn't call it a dive bar because it's nice and they've got great food. But maybe it's a dive bar, but it's a hockey bar. So anybody... Who in the St. Louis community, even people who have like youth hockey kids and stuff, they all kind of congregate at this OB Clarks and then the players go there after games. It's kind of this, it's a spot where they don't get bothered. Mm -hmm. And as crazy as it sounds, like people who are all in there, they know who those, they know that it's Alexander Steen or Keith Kachuk or Kelly Chase or whomever that's going to go to this bar. They kind of leave them alone. In fact, they'll even like, they'll kind of even like, buy a beer. Hey, boys, cheers, good game. Like it's awesome. And, you know, to, to go through the Stanley Cup playoffs in 2019, you know, they had the patio that they were... Like, Craig Berube was there, Mike Van Ryan. Guys, this is after games, like, yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. And after they won the Cup, like, the celebrations well, that Obi was Clark's. ridiculous. That oh, was, boy. The parking wow. lot full of people. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that was nice so to
2: watch. Obie Clarks, I don't know how it got yeah. started. Uh, I do know Brad Thompson talks about it, too. Like, back in his playing days, he used to stop in there, too. Some of the Cardinals guys would stop in there. It's just got a vibe to it where... No matter what walk of life you're in, you, you fit in. You kind of fit in and nobody bothers anybody.
0: Who scores first goal for the Blues tonight?
2: Oh,
0: boy. boy. Uh, I keep saying Pavel Buchnevich, so I feel like if I keep saying it, that it eventually is going to happen. What would you guys think of Pavel Buchnevich playing left wing with
2: O'Reilly and Perron?
0: Well, my first question was going to kind of be, do you think he's hurt from where Spurgeon got him? Is that, no. do you think, what's cost no. kept him from, from doing it? Nope, not at all? Not at all. I mean, if he can, why not? Although, I just wonder,
2: because uh, we, we toss around different ideas, and he's been with Thomas and whatnot. I don't think I've seen him all year play with O'Reilly and Perron, and I'm thinking to myself, those are three 200-foot game guys. Uh, they're all three very smart, intelligent with the puck. They can all play that down low, below the goal line game. I just think it would be fun. And put them out there against the McKinnon line, that's a lot of defense right there.
0: W- w- why would they? The Russian line has been broken up for a while, oh, yeah, right? That,
2: that won't be happening at
0: Think. and tell me and tell me why because they were playing great together earlier in the I year. just
2: don't think it's working right now. Okay. If if you read into the code of Craig Berube yesterday saying he's not thrilled at what's going on at center ice on the third line, who is that player? It's Ivan Barbashev. Yeah. Right? So I can't imagine that Ivan Barbashev will get a promotion, so to say, to play with Tarasenko and Buchnevich when he hasn't been in the coach's good books. Could be wrong. Maybe it's going to be something where like, hey, maybe it'll get him going. I don't have I don't have the coach's handbook uh, right now in front of me. i try and get it later. <laughs> i got, my, got a couple of hackers. The show next right time. That'd be great. But I just think it'd be interesting to see Booch play with O'Reilly and Perron. Uh, I think Saad, Shen, and Tarasenko could be interesting. It will simplify everything for Vladdy. Mm. And, you know, I, I think Bozak, Torpchenko, uh, probably Nathan Walker, and uh, you know, Thomas, Kairou, and Barbyshev. Put him back on the wing. I'm gonna, I'm going I'm gonna drop a bomb
1: right now. Great! Somebody open the door. Ah, sorry. I should have probably rephrased.
0: Is we're Jordan Kyrou someone that could be moved in the offseason? Well,
2: what are you moving him for?
0: If there is one of these big Matthew Kachuk, Jacob Chikrin type deals, mm-hmm. is he going to be the one that we're all oh, one of the ones that we're all okay with m- moving on?
2: I'm okay with it if you're getting Matthew Kachuk. What about Chikrin? Um, I would have to see the rest of the package, okay. the trade package for that. I think that, you know, and it's going to be interesting to see, what the, to see what the Blues do with Nick Letty. You know, if they try to retain him or if they just have no chance of retaining him, that void is going to have to be filled somewhere. If you're going Chickren and you're going Kachuk, if those are my two options and Kairou is the key cog to all of that, yes, I'm moving him.
0: Boy, and then Phoenix, they find out this week, or maybe oh they knew God, beforehand, guys. that they
2: cannot have their logo at CinderMinds. and talk about this? Yeah, yeah of course. Sure, man. Of course. I, I cannot I, believe it. Go ahead and describe what's no, going on. No, no, no.
0: On. Well, first of all, okay, so if you haven't heard the story this week, uh, the Arizona Coyotes are going to be playing at the Arizona State facility. Yes. Isn't it Arizona State? Brand
2: new 4,000, 5,000-seat arena.
0: Small room, okay? Oh, yeah. But on top of that, They're not going to be able to have their logo at center ice for the games. It's going to continue to be the Arizona state logo. Mm -hmm. Why is this continued to allowed to be this joke? Because at this point, man, it really is. And man, if you play for that team, what are you thinking? Besides,
1: I want to get the hell out of here. Yeah. How long's my contract?
2: And that sucks because I bet you they want to play in Phoenix too, man. So Phoenix, when they first came in the league had Keith Kachuk, Jeremy Roenick, Dallas Drake. Sean fantastic, Burke. Fantastic, fantastic team. Yeah. Shane Doan, all these guys. Uh, the building downtown was filled every night. It wasn't optimal. It was built for basketball. So the second tier overhang came out farther because they wanted to bring the fans closer to the basketball court. But in return, they couldn't see the ice. So it was weird. They needed to build a new rink. They should have built it in Scottsdale. They didn't, and since that moment, they have paid ever since. Glendale, they tried to build that. They went through two or three ownerships. There was bankruptcy, all sorts of crap. The NHL ran the club for like two years in a row because they couldn't figure stuff out. And then now they're in this situation here. So not only can they not have their logo at Center Ice, Donnie, none of the ice advertising revenue will go to the Coyotes. Oh, my gosh. It, I didn't know that part. It, everything will go to the Arizona State team. And I don't blame them. Arizona State's taken – first of all, Arizona State has gone – has jumped leaps and bounds in the Division One, real Division One NCAA hockey. They're a legit team. And now they have a legit 5,000-seat arena where they're like, hey, this is our big moment for ice hockey for this university. Okay, so
1: this isn't a building that's just been sitting around. This no, is they're not even finished it yet. I mean, lot. it's going to be
2: state-of-the-art for NCAA teams. 5,000 seat, they're going to have to whittle it down to about 4,000 for NHL games because of the TV crews and all the stuff that they have to do to get the proper coverage in there and the cameras and the angles. I don't blame Arizona State for saying, screw you guys, I don't care. Like We did this on our own. We didn't need you to get here, yeah. so we're not going to give you what we've built. You can play here. We'll give you a locker room, and you can pay us for the ice because that's what they're going to do uh, And until you figure things out. We're right. Where I run into a massive roadblock, and I have to talk to some of the players. I haven't done this yet. The, the NHL is a revenue-sharing model. So with the salary cap between the owners and the players, um, all revenues are split 50-50 between the PA and the ownership group. The escrow, there is an escrow account where each player pays a certain amount every paycheck into the escrow account so that if the owners lose money at the end of the year, they'll tap into the escrow account and divvy it up amongst the teams that lost money. This was a bad thing that the players negotiated, Donnie. I don't want to get into it. It started in 04, and there were some scumbags that were at the top of the food chain that negotiated this in there that currently have jobs with the NHL who used to be players. There was a side deal. Whatever the case, it's in there right now. So the the players are paying to make sure the owners don't lose money in order to keep the salary cap going up. So it's kind of like a robbing Peter to pay Paul type thing. But where I run into the roadblock is if the Arizona Coyotes are generating zero revenue, how does the NHLPA allow this to happen? Because they're not pulling their weight. It's almost like it would be almost like sitting at home doing nothing, but you're still getting a paycheck. You're you're guaranteed to make money in the real world. That you'd be like, that's not fair. That guy's getting paid the same amount of money as me, but he does nothing. So I don't know how this is going to be rubber stamped because Gary Bettman. And the board of governors, for that matter. Imagine being another owner in that league and you're Tom Stillman. You're paying, you're spending to the cap. You are trying to generate revenue everywhere you can. You're taking care of your fans. You do a great job with your stadium. You fight with the city just so you can get renovations to your arena and bring it up to what you think are NHL standards. And then you got the Arizona Coyotes who have a 5,000 seat arena that they don't even own and they're playing in.
0: I just don't understand. Why? Why do? Why does the NHL just not move this team to Quebec City
2: or to even Houston? Houston or Houston is the key because nothing changes. Then they could stay in the Central Division. Does Houston want a team? Houston yes. desperately wants, okay. and I th- because I think it's
0: the owner of the Houston Rockets, yes, yeah, that 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 desperately wants an NHL team, right? Like yeah. that's
2: not an overstatement. No, he wants it. And the arena, ha- the- I played in the American Hockey League, and. Houston had Houston Arrows, They were called. It had a hockey team, and in that rink, the facility—it's phenomenal. Mm. It's a great facility. You could easily put an NHL team in there, and the area that surrounds it is beautiful. Houston's weird because it has like two different kind of downtowns, you know. But where the arena is located, it's fantastic. Tons of walking, hotels, restaurants, bars. Then what are we doing? I don't know. I don't know what the I don't know what the handcuffs are on here for. You wouldn't have to change a thing. Like I said, Houston would stay in the Central Division. You'd keep a team that's located south, so that you're still, you know, hockey, a non-hockey market has a good team. They have good ownership. The facility is already there. I don't know what's holding it back. That's, I really don't. That's
0: and that to me is the key. Is one of those lines in there is that you will finally have stable ownership. Like to me, that's that's the what, issue and here. Think of the
2: rivalry you'd have with the Dallas Stars. Oh so, man, you know you'd have that uh, Texas rivalry. And then, then if the league ever
0: expanded, and they could get a stable ownership group, then they could go back to Phoenix. Maybe, 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 or is is that that? I think that ship has
2: sailed, man. You know, had this ownership group been able to put a rink in Scottsdale, or even have a rink that's been approved in Scottsdale to where it's well, it's in two years, it'll be built type thing, I think it'd be different. I just think I think this is the time is now to move that franchise. And then in a year or two, you look at adding a team in the East, which would be possibly, you know, Quebec City. Um, but, yeah, I just – I don't get why they're doing it. I don't know how the players have okayed this. I don't know if the players have okayed right. this. You know, all of this could come to a head in the off season Because that looks to me like it's going to be a
0: funnel of money loss. Even if you fill that, that, that stadium every game. Yeah, but, Donnie, they're going to go
2: sign big free agents.
1: <laughs> right. With With <laughs> –
2: are they going to borrow money from well, somebody? not only
1: that, who the hell wants to go there? Yeah. yeah. And I was going to say, I can't imagine what the ticket prices are going to be if you're at 4000 per ticket. And then two, are they getting revenue from the ticket sales? They'll get ticket
2: sales, yeah. I don't know about concessions and parking. Like, I imagine Arizona State's probably like, screw you. A you mess. need us.
1: What so, a mess.
2: So you went from having a 17,000-seat arena to a 4,000-seat arena. After all said and done, somewhere around 4,000.
0: That is absolute madness and I I hate it and I hate it for a number of reasons I liked not liking Phoenix and Arizona like they're a fun yeah. team to hate sure you know and so um, I just don't and more than anything else it's just I don't understand like it makes
1: absolutely no sense to me. Is Phil Kessel still with them? He is. See, he's literally going to be going to be playing in a beer league. That's about how (laughs) many people are going to be in 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 the beer league shape. Although he doesn't get injured ever, you know, guy just keeps going. Yeah, he does.
0: I saw a picture of him after the season was over, and he joined like two DJs at a street festival, and it was just like two DJ guys and Phil Kessel with headphones on, and he looked. Out of place, but completely happy. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. he's a happy guy, man. Yeah, he looks he's like living it, his life, man. He, yeah, he it really looks is. Like it. Well, uh, as per usual, uh, last minute blues podcast is brought to you by Together Credit Union. We'll be back again next week with another podcast. We appreciate you listening. Let's go blues! And as always, thank you for checking out the Last Minute Blues Podcast for Jamie Rivers and Jeff Burton. I'm Donnie Fandango. Let's go blues! the last minute Blues podcast hear more at 1057 the powered by together credit union empowering you to achieve your financial
1: goals with black friday savings at the home depot you can get top brand laundry sets with the latest tech to tackle any mess you might face this holiday like automatic fabric and load size detection for spills of any size from cookies and milk on your favorite holiday sweater to the toddler of the house discovering just how fun cranberry sauce can be Make more magic this holiday season. Let your new appliances handle the mess. Shop Black Friday savings and get up to 30% off, plus instantly save up to 750 on select LG laundry sets at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Offer valid from November 2nd through 30th. U.S. only T see store online for details. Peloton, let's go. This
2: holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors.
1: We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season.
2: You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of.